0: Hello and welcome to That One Case, the podcast where lawyers share stories of the cases that influence their careers. My guest today is Lisa Ziderman, managing partner at Miller Zeiderman LLP. Lisa is a family law attorney and certified divorce financial analyst based out of New York. Her work focuses on handling complex financial and custody divorce matters for high net worth individuals. And alongside her legal work, She also contributes to numerous publications, including Psychology Today and the New York Law Journal. On today's show, Lisa shares with us a series of cases all dealing with one of the most high stake outcomes in the courts, the custody of a child.
1: So each one of these cases actually started with um, my client coming to me and saying that this was a simple case which is, um, you know, always a sign that maybe it's not such a simple case, right? And, and my client wanting to do this as amicably as possibly can happen. And in each of these cases, um, what then happened was because this party was leaving the other party um, and, and because frankly, I think that there was some mental illness, okay, um, involved, Um, what happened was it became a situation of either you're for me or against me. And when the person who wanted to leave the marriage was no longer, um, you know, wanted to be with that person, um, it became you're against me and I will do everything I can to ruin you and to ruin your relationship with our child. And um, in all the cases, it was the father actually who, um, in each of the cases, was arrested, was um, investigated by Child Protective Services. Um, In some cases, the father was arrested several times. Um, You know, orders of protection were given against the father. And the father was not allowed to see, um, the child for a long period of time. Um, sometimes six months to over, you know, a, a year, a year and a half. And when we, um, when we actually did, um, uh, when we got involved in a forensic, which in, in New York, we often, um, retain what are neutral experts and they are forensic psychologists or psychiatrists who delve into. Um, an evaluation of the family, and any mental illness that may be there, any alienation that may occur. Um, The forensic um, noticed through testing and speaking to the parties and going through documents and speaking to collaterals that um, there were tendencies towards um, borderline personality disorders that the mother had in those cases. And we then did a trial in each of those cases Um, And after the trial, the um, father in each of those cases was actually given custody of the child with the mother having supervised access. And so it really was a changing point, to to say the least, um, with the child going to the father. um, And, you know, the father had never done anything that was abusive. It was found um, child protective services actually found that the reports were came back unfounded Um, the forensic found that it was the mother's um, very manipulative behavior that had caused these arrests and obviously separating a child accusing a father of child abuse accusing a father of um, abusing the mother um, in various ways all went to the fact that the mother was not capable of fostering a relationship or um, healthy, frankly, to healthy enough to be with the child and to be the custodial parent. And so that, for me, those cases, frankly, um, were the most important cases because they revolve around small children um, who really would have had no relationship with my clients had we not actually gone the distance and tried the case and done what we had to do. Um, You know, in all those cases, we had to work with criminal counsel. In all those cases, we worked with therapists. Um, In all those cases, there were forensic evaluations. And I'm going to say, in all those cases, there was a history of mental illness already. And the father had not recognized that history. And interestingly in most of those cases if you recall i said that those people came to me my clients and said to me i want that this to be amicable right in all those cases i i learned about those issues almost as we were, were going to trial so they they were not issues that were front and center for our clients because they actually were you know in love and thinking about um, you know, having a family and thinking that these were, this was, you know, really not an important information and that this was in the past and maybe those um, other partners had issues. And it turns out that their, their spouses slash partners had issues.
0: I mean, this is an incredibly delicate matter, right? And you, cause you're talking about the importance of the relationship of the child with their with their father that they might otherwise be robbed of similarly i assume despite the fact that there might be outstanding mental issues you don't want to you know uh, uh, remove this child from the mother in this case completely um either so i wonder how how you can approach this in a way that gets the best outcome for your client but also protects the the relationship on the other side also
1: so interestingly um and it's a good point because in all those cases the fathers really wanted the child the child to have a relationship with the other parent right they you know this was not something I needed to um, coach or teach or emphasize each one of these people talked about the fact that they really felt that it was so important to have a mom in their child's life and that they wanted their child to have a healthy and good relationship. But sometimes, frankly, those relationships are so detrimental to the children that it's important that they be supervised. And so in New York, we have supervised um, supervisors actually who are um, compensated to supervise the access and to ensure that the um, parent who is saying negative things about the other parent or involving the child in the litigation or, um, you know, fabricating stories is supervised and therefore unable to, um, to make these accusations and to continue this really um, detrimental conduct for the child's sake. And so, yes, they do have contact, but their contact is supervised and, and, and there's, you know, they also can get help. I mean, they can get therapeutic help. Um, you know, there are, you know, therapists who get involved and who can help um, parenting coordinators who can help. Um, you know, we have a whole um, system, frankly, of people who can be helpful if people want to get the help that they need to get.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you, when roughly did these things happen? Because I wonder the the kind of effect that cancel culture as it is becoming, I wonder what effect this kind of has on on cases such as this, where where really the reputation of of a father in these cases could be more or less publicly destroyed.
1: So these cases were all in the last um, seven years. And, um and you're correct in terms of I mean media media and um, issues like that. I mean this was all part of um, you know these cases. in some cases these parents reputations were maligned. Um, in some cases they had to deal with their employers um, and explain themselves. Um, and of course, you know family members friends, um, they were ostracized by other parents for periods of time, right? I mean, all of those kinds of things, which of course all are, are, uh, again, a sign of the fact that the other parent, the parent making these false accusations is unfit because you are subjecting your child to less child support. For example, if you're making these false accusations and your, the other parent is, um, fired. Okay. You are also, um, damaging this child's ability to have friends and playmates at the other parent's house, because the other parents in the neighborhood will be concerned. Um, so there's, the, you know, you you really as a parent, you really need to make sure that you do foster a relationship, but not just with the child, but that you don't say anything negative to friends and 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 neighborhood people and and, um, and, and things that will be damaging to an employer, um, you know, to the employee, um, parent, as long as obviously these are false accusations. Now, of course, if they're true, okay, if they're true, then, then you need to take all the steps that you need to take to, to, to do this that are lawful, right? I, I mean, you know, publishing on social media is never a good idea. Um, you know, that, that is a poor idea because your, um, your child is eventually going to see it and your child's friends in school and all of that. but. But certainly, um, it, it, it's you know you need to get the help and you need to make sure that your child is not left with an abusive parent.
0: Really interesting and insightful. Thank you. And I'm conscious of time here, so I'm going to uh, sort of start to wrap up. And I've got a couple of questions that I'd like to ask uh, all our guests. Um, uh, that again, sort of sort of lessons that you've learned throughout your career. So I wonder. If there's uh, one thing that you you wish they taught in law school that you've kind of learned in the real world that that maybe um, you weren't prepared for uh, as a young lawyer.
1: So I think presenting your case to a a judge and frankly, how to deal um, with, you know, being in the courtroom. I, I don't think that there's enough that's taught in law school about real life right? About how you're going to um, need to, to be in the courtroom, how you deal with clients on an everyday basis. Um, thinking on your feet, I, I would say is another, um, you know, particularly in family and matrimonial law, you need to be able to think on your feet um, because things are coming at you. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic now, right? Uh, there are issues every day that nobody could have taught me, and um, but, but you have to be able to use good common sense. And, you know, I'm a parent, so I have some experience. But I think that, um, you know, there are going to be a lot of people who graduate from law school who don't have that experience.
0: Yeah, yep yeah. my, my other question is, is specific to your, your chosen field of law is, is what what is it to you that separates? family law from from all other kind of kinds of law. What sort of skill sets does a, a lawyer in this space need particularly, do you think?
1: So I, I think that this um, in this particular space, you need, as I said, actually, to think on your feet, that's going to be very, very important. Um, you need to think about what's reasonable at all times. This is not going to be in, in a book. You're not going to open and find your answers in a book. There are everyday um, questions that people ask um that you need to know. I think also this particular space is very um it is very math oriented. People don't realize it, okay? But matrimonial law, you need really good math skills. Um, you know, we, we, in addition to dealing with with children, you know, child matters, we deal with dividing finances, um, with support matters. Um, we we deal with division of um, of items such as um, restricted stock units and restricted stock shares. Um, this is an area that I've lectured on and, and talked about. We use formulas such as um, in New York, we call it the who Jesus formula, um, and I, I mean so. All of these things are, um, math is really important and I I think people underestimate that.
0: I would not have guessed that. So that's super, that's super interesting. I love it. Okay. My final question for you then is, is what's one thing you wish you knew when you, when you graduated as a, when you first became a lawyer?
1: Um, I think, um, learning how to run a, um, a team of people is probably one of the things that somebody should have taught um because many people go on to have their own firms and it took me um a while to figure out how to work at um you know and build a team um, we're now 41, att- 41 um, people in my firm, um, 16 attorneys, 16 or 17 attorneys, um, and we have built a very strong team of people, um, but we did it through a lot of teaching and patience and, and, and finding good people. That's not taught in law school. There's a business part of this that is not taught in law school.
0: Wow. So I wouldn't have thought uh, strong math skills would have been so highly prized in family law. Um, my thanks to Lisa for sharing her story. If you want to find out more about Lisa and Miller Ziderman LLP's work, you can find all the links to them in the show notes at thatonecase.com. Uh, and if you enjoyed today's show, please do share it with someone else that you think would also enjoy it. Uh, really appreciate that. All the details on how to subscribe as well as other episodes can be found again at thatonecase.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time as Larry Foreman of Foreman and Associates tells the story of that one case.